G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, we're back today talking about the Winter Olympics and the fact that there isn't a strong chaplaincy presence at this year's Winter Olympics in Sochi. Cameron Butler is from Sports Chaplaincy Australia, back with us today. Hi, Cameron. Welcome back to 2020. Yeah, hi, Neil. How are you? Good to be with you. I'm good. And, uh, you know, there's lots of things happening at the Winter Olympics. Uh, there are medals being won, and there are a lot of people who are suffering the grief of not winning their medal. And uh, it is certainly disturbing, as we were just talking recently, about the fact that Russia has been a little bit uh, against the idea of having chaplains come in from outside. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've um, we've just only got a small presence of chaplains there uh, in Russia, but um, it seems to be growing further and wider in sport all around the world at the moment. Last time we were talking, we were talking about the value of a chaplain, and particularly for someone who has failed to reach the heights that they were hoping and uh, being on the podium, winning the medal, and sometimes uh, crashing out and all sorts of dreams coming down. Uh, the role yeah. of a chaplain in that circumstance really does come to the fore because you've got this person bringing an embrace uh, that helps people get through that. It's almost like a grief, isn't it? It sure is. And and often coaches and uh, the team managers are the worst people to 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 be the people to care for the athletes because the athletes don't want to talk to them. They feel like they've let down people and they've let their coach down and and so an interesting outcome from the previous London Olympics was um, a number of the Australian managers recognised there was a, a, a deep need to provide care, um, neutral care for our athletes. And so we're in conversations now with institutes of sports around Australia in providing chaplains um, for the elite athletes going to a lot of these events at the moment. And, of course, this is catching on all around the world. Uh, Australia's leading the way in some respects when it comes to this uh, issue of sports chaplaincy. Yeah, there's no question about it. In fact, if you go to Delhi uh, or parts of the Caribbean, you'll actually find offices of the Australian Sports Commission uh, in those nations. You'd walk into... Uh, into the offices there because Australia has a big uh, industry, sports industry, and leads the world. And um, no question about it, when it comes to chaplains in sport uh, and in clubs, um, Australia is leading is leading the charge. There's been a lot of chaplains in sport in the UK and also in the US, um, but I think um, there's something to be said about the model that we have, which is a very urban model. It's a it's a professional model, but it's quite urban. It's very relational, and um, and of course you have nations like Fiji and Papua New Guinea and New Zealand and the Caribbean and India that are all very interested in in getting sports chaplains. Something special about the chaplain, I guess you'd be mindful of the risk that could come if uh, the chaplain all of a sudden becomes a professional role. Uh, that's where the chaplain loses a little bit of that level of respect and and input into the life of a person, but uh, but certainly they're playing such a valuable role. Yeah, definitely. When it comes to pastoral care, 
um, the, w- w- all our chaplains are their delivery is on a very high level and so to be seen as a professional delivery of pastoral care definitely if it's considered professional and paid and uh, of course all our volunteers in this, all, all our chaplains in Australia are volunteers and around the world um, but if it was paid it yeah it could it could actually jeopardise because you lose that neutrality all of a sudden you're on the payroll and you're almost obliged to tell the club or the coach you know what the athletes are going through and and that's a threat for a lot of athletes they don't want to talk openly or they're reluctant to talk openly to paid staff um, and that's why they turned to Twitter and do you remember in the London Olympics a lot of the a lot of the athletes got in a lot of trouble for tweeting what they were feeling and going through and that's quite likely because they didn't have anyone else safe not that Twitter's safe but they didn't have that safe person in their in their world of course, we've got our athletes over in Sochi and uh, there's not a big chaplaincy presence there uh, coming mm. from Australia because the Russians have been a little bit uh, cautious about having chaplains come in. Is there, mm. that you're aware of, uh, an opportunity for our athletes to have that sort of interaction with people on the team, uh, whether that be uh, as uh, as empathetic or as sympathetic mm. as a chaplain might be? Yeah, I I think they're more cautious, the Russians, and um, when the Greek Olympics were on, they were cautious as well. Some nations are a lot more cautious when it comes to having chaplains. Uh, but um, we in Australia, because a lot of our chaplains are working with the team, so Murray Lydia Moore, who's our cycling chaplain over in Adelaide, works with the AIS cyclists there. Uh, he travels with the team as the internal chaplain with so the team take him over. Uh, he also, during the Paralympics, he'll serve as the as the team manager for the Paralympic cyclists. So what, what we do find, not all the time, but occasionally our chaplains are travelling internally with teams. Um, they're not external chaplains like what many people are used to seeing um, at major games. And I guess the relationship that's birthed between athlete and chaplain uh, has to be built up over time, and that's when the chaplain's most effective. Exactly, yes. So it's very much, it's very relational. And our model of chaplaincy, we we term it urban chaplaincy, not professional chaplaincy. We want to mobilise lay people all around Australia to serve as chaplains in local sports clubs. Um, And I think I've shared this before um, on Vision that um, we we have over 4,000 requests uh, for chaplains in sport around Australia. We have football clubs and rugby and soccer and cricket clubs all looking uh, to appoint chaplains um, in their thousands. And so uh, we want to m- mobilise people to build relationships with their community, get to know them and, and shepherd or pastor them in their in their clubs and communities. So what you're saying is there's real demand for chaplains mm. in every sport around the country, but uh, are there enough people coming to the fore and saying, yeah, I'll put my hand up and I'll be a chaplain to perhaps my local sporting team? Um, we, we're finding we're finding that they're out there. I, I think it's just people um, coming. I think two things: one, they become aware of the need. Um, the other side, uh, we talk about a cycle of about twelve months from when somebody hears about sports chaplaincy to when they activate. Usually takes about twelve months because um, sport and faith often there's a conflict between the two. We we very rarely ever put sport and faith together in the same. Um, in the same camp and um, so there's a bit of tension and until people work that through and 
In fact, if you think about it, most of our churches um, that have been around for you know centuries had tennis courts and sporting complexes built as an extension of the church. And I think we've gone away a little bit from that, um, which is probably not a bad thing. Now we can go to the sports communities because they want us and serve in, in those communities. And, and the other thing is that it's not difficult, it's not beyond reach of a lay person to serve as a sports chaplain. Um, we don't have the same expectations that maybe a military or a hospital chaplain, the organisation would have their chaplains. Um, we encourage our chaplains uh, to refer up. So if it's beyond their competency or if you know they're challenged with an issue in their chaplaincy that's beyond their skill set, we ask them to, to push up to their local pastor or their local church community. Well, it's actually a fascinating topic to be talking about, this link between sports and church. And uh, the chaplain is the person who is that link. And uh, the way the dynamic works is quite amazing because the chaplain brings such an amazing improvement to the way that people uh, see themselves, feel about themselves, are able to deal with the grief that they suffer when they've lost or when there's an injury, all of those sorts of things, family problems, all sorts of things, just amazing stuff. Now, Cameron, I'll point people to your website at www.sportschaplaincy.com.au for anyone who'd like to make contact uh, with you and regarding sports chaplaincy and how they might be able to be a benefit in their own community. Cameron, thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020. Yeah, good on you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.